was outstanding, wasn't it? That was outstanding. Let's give thanks. Father, we want to thank you that you are the one who cleans up our messes. Cleanser of the messes that we've made, Lord. We thank you that, Father, you have given us your most precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his blood shed, cleansed us, made it possible for all of the messes we've made, all the sins that we've committed, past, even present, and sadly even future, sins that we might commit and sadly will commit. Lord, you have cleansed us from that, from your work on Calvary's cross. Thank you for this wonderful relationship that we have with you, Father, and with your Son and the Spirit, and we just bless your name today. We do come to worship you. We do come to hear from you and to leave here different than even how we arrived this morning. We ask for your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you turn in your Bible, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at a couple of verses today from a couple of different portions of God's Word. Just thinking, I uh, got off this morning at 6 o'clock, and so if you see the red eyes, I haven't been out late partying or anything like that. But I was thinking, what a contrast of the environment that I was in and what I was hearing a few hours ago to this morning. This is, this is the place to be with the people of God. And, you know, sometimes you might think that, um, you know, the Christian life is a little bit, wrongly we think this, but we might think, you know, it's a little bit sedate and... Maybe sometimes we think it's just a little bit, we might think a bit boring in comparison to what else is out there. But I'll tell you, that's a lie of the enemy to think that those who don't know Christ are in any way better off than we are as a people of God. And it's a good thing to be able to go home at night if you can sleep at night. And if you don't work nights, just to be able to rest your head knowing that you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that if it were to happen that you were to be that person that was to die overnight, that you would know him. And you'd be with him forever. Amen. And I trust that if you're not sure of that today, even though you might be one who attends church or has been brought up understanding the gospel, if you're not sure of that, then I can't think of any good reason to delay in making yourself right with God and talking to someone who can help you. I want to talk this morning on, uh, for the time we have together, on imitating our great Heavenly Father. I love the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32, where he says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. It's been said that there's many ways to measure success, not the least of which is the way your child describes you when talking to a friend. If you could uh, be a fly on the wall, and you could listen to what your child, if you have children today, says about you, mom, says about you, dad, to their closest friends, what would they say? Proverbs 17 says that a child's glory 
is his father. And that parents are the pride of their children. There's a story about three little girls who were playing house one day, taking turns playing different roles. When one of them said to the other, now you be the daddy. The little girl pouted for a minute and then said, I don't want to be the daddy. I want to talk. And besides... Uh, those laughs say something. I want to talk. And besides, what would I use for the remote control? You know, the interesting thing is, is your children not only have an opinion about us as fathers or as, as mothers, parents, but interestingly enough, and isn't it true, that they're likely to copy our behavior, both good and sadly sometimes both bad. I know Cindy has mentioned to me in jest and laughing about it that there's times that there's an expression on my face that is just like my father's. It's not particularly one that she thinks is very complimentary. And she might sometimes say with a smile, you know, you're, you look just like your dad right now. Take, and she'll say with a smile, take off that face. You know, take off that frown. You don't even realize I'm doing it. You can probably identify with that. The interesting thing about the word imitate, it means to mimic, to copy closely, to repeat another person's speech, actions, behavior, and mannerisms. I can remember a lady that uh, we knew in Ireland that uh, when my wife would spend time around her, she would actually start sounding like her after being with her for an afternoon. The mannerisms and her intonations and her speech would be very similar. And I said, you've been with Sandra today, haven't you? Imitate. It's very interesting that what is very important to children is, is as, as I said, they're with us, they will copy much of what we're like. There's a famous story, a famous song, actually, from a fellow that, to my knowledge, didn't know the Lord. But he had an inspired moment when he wrote these words. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked, he walked away, but his smile never did. And he said, I'm going to be just like him, yeah. You know I'm going to be like him. Well, he came from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'm feeling like, dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I have called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. Interesting thing is, is we should 
be listening to our children because, as it's been said, you may hear an echo. And that song is a description of, sadly, not having time, not making time. And the boy became just like his father. Paul is telling us in Ephesians chapter 5 and that verse prior in verse four, four, uh, chapter 4, verse 32, that he's saying that if we are children of God, then it ought to supernaturally follow that we ought to be imitating our Father. We ought to be growing more and more like Him. In the natural sense, that's what's happening when children spend time or don't spend time with their parents. For the child of God this morning, if you claim and you say, I am one, the challenge to you, the challenge to me is, is, am I becoming more like Him? Well, lovely thing about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we could talk all day about the lovely things about the Lord Jesus Christ, is I love that verse in Hebrews chapter 3 that says that he is the radiance of God's glory. And it says that he is the exact representation of his being. He's talking about his father. Someone has said that if you want to know what God the Father is like, take a long look at Jesus because, as he said, you, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. The wonderful thing about the Son was is that as he spent time and as we see in the, the Word of God, as he, he longed to be with the Father and being God himself, he was just like him. The perfect representation. I've been thinking over the last couple of weeks, and we could exhaust this subject all day long, and then we would still have to have, be back tomorrow. But if you were to say today, what are three qualities that I just love about the Heavenly Father? What would they be? What would you say? Would they come off like this from your, your knowledge of God? That you'd say, I love this about God. How he, the whatever. If someone were to say to you who really didn't know anything about the God that we follow, the God that we love and serve, and said, what is God like? Tell me about this God. What would come from our hearts? Well, what came from from my heart as I was thinking about that question, and I'd like to encourage you in it as well, is the first thing that I love about the Father and as His Son want to imitate and grow in in my own life is His unconditional love. I'd like you to turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 15, and we'll be reading the parable of the loving father in just a couple of moments. Luke chapter 15. I don't know about you, but one of the truths that I love about God is that he loves me just as I am. I'll be honest this morning. I have absolutely no real understanding of how this really is. I don't understand this love. This is amazing love, as the hymn writer said. How can it be? Let's look at the passage and then we'll speak on this. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, 
Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Sounds very up to date. And he had divided his wealth between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And as he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything to him, But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. Matter of fact, the, in the Greek word for that word, the kissed him, is again and again. He was kissing him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they begin to be merry. Interesting thing, a wonderful thing about God is that the truth of what the scriptures say about this marvelous subject is that he cannot love you and I more now, this very minute, than he already does yesterday, he did yesterday, he will tomorrow. His love is unchanging. The love he has for you today at 12 isn't going to be changed at 1 o'clock. It's not going to be different at 6 o'clock. It's not going to be different tomorrow, next week, next year. The love he has for you is unconditional. Matter of fact, in Jeremiah 21, or make that 31, 3, he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Lamentations in the Old Testament, the prophet said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. There's a hymn, I'm not sure if you folks uh, sing it here, I've, uh, we've sung it at Fairhaven, a kind of a newer version of the song that's called The Love of God, the famous hymn. I love the words of this, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. There's another verse that says it so well. You know how the hymn writers were just inspired folks who, when they wrote these things, could we with ink, think about this, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man Ascribed by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. 
this love of God that God has for us today is absolutely amazing. And it's unconditional. This is something that we don't really, we don't really understand because in the relationships that we have with one another, that the world has particularly with one another, the love can often be very conditional. It's very much about what have you done for me lately? And if you do this, and because you do this, and if you'll do this, then I will love you. The Word of God says that there was absolutely nothing about us to love. We were his enemies. And yet he gave us his son. In the story here in Luke chapter 15, the father ran to the son. And he embraced him. And he kissed him over and over. And he held a banquet in his honor. You think about that as a, as a parent today, or if you were on the receiving end of this, maybe as a child, very well the temptation might have been when that child came back to be at an arm's length. Maybe it would have been, as I've heard in a couple of stories over the last few weeks, of where children have disappointed their parents in something that they've done, something that the parents wouldn't have agreed with. Sadly, made that kind of choice that says, you know, unless you change, I really don't want you back in the house. Kind of at arm's length. You know, you've really disappointed me. And to kind of punish. Father, in this story, you get the sense as you read it, and it's a picture of, of God, that when the son came back, there would have been ample opportunity. There could have been ample opportunity for the father to have just lectured him and just beat him in the sense with down with what you have done. You've squandered your money, you know, and all the mistakes. And yet this amazing love that the father comes out and he's, he's looking for him. He's patiently waiting for him to return. And he embraces him. It's a marvelous story. Unconditional love for us if we are to grow in the likeness more and more of what God is like and wanting to imitate him, and even in our fallen state, we're certainly never going to arrive there, but if that's the goal is to become more like Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit, is that unconditional love means loving one another no matter what. Loving one another no matter what. We expect him or her to be. Let your children let each other know in the body of Christ often that you love them. Those are words that I remember my wife said that she knew her dad loved her. There's no doubt about that. But he never was able to say it. He was never able to actually articulate those words to his daughter. I love you. Often I think we think it. We, we think that we love one another, and we do, but we just, we just find it a little bit embarrassing to say it. I love you. Thank you, brother and sister in Christ. And if you're a parent today, and I don't know any of your situations in the sense of the, the intimate details of your children, maybe you have a child today that is a prodigal, like this story. Maybe you're in a situation where you have a child that was walking with the Lord, 
or you know someone who had a child walking with Christ and now is not. You know, you can say to that person, you know, you're not living as I want you to live. More importantly, you're not living as God wants you to live. You've turned your back on him. And it grieves him. But he still loves you. He still loves you. And for that matter, so do I. Those words might make all the difference in helping to cause that person to repent and turn back to the Lord. Often though the challenge for us is, and the devil would want us in a situation where we have been disappointed by the behavior of a child, is to pull away, is to shut down and reject them. Don't you just love the fact that God today is a God of unconditional love? And doesn't that inspire you, what the Word of God says? Doesn't that inspire you today that when the temptation comes from the flesh, from the world, or from the devil, to say, you know what? I am not going to do this in the face of my God who loves me so, who's gone to such great lengths and cost to give us his Son. I am not going to spur this love and spurn it and spit in his face and behave in a way where I sin. And abuse the very grace of God. Worship him today for being a God who, who loves us. And you know what? He loves us and he knows everything about us. He knows it. He knows everything we think before we even think it. He knows every secret place in our lives. And he still loves us. You can throw yourself on this kind of God. You can be intimate with this kind of God. And say, I want to know you. And to be with him and spend time with him. And you don't have to fear as his child. You don't have to fear his rejection. Yes, is he a God that says, I want you to turn from your sin? Absolutely, because he's a holy God. Is he a God who wants us to keep short accounts and when we're conscious of sin and disobeying him and hurting him, doing something that's against his will, he wants us to tell him that. He wants us to come to him, come to him for forgiveness and cleansing of sin. And we are sure of the fact that he receives us and he embraces us and he doesn't hold it over us. Aren't you glad today that God chooses to forgive and forget your sin because of the blood of Christ? Another thing that I love, one more, or there's two others, quality about God the Father that as children of God we ought to imitate is is to be gentle. I don't know about you fathers, Maybe gentleness doesn't come naturally, or maybe it does. It kind of is coming somewhat naturally more for me having four daughters and one wife and working primarily with women. I'm learning how to be gentle. Someone has said, govern a family as you would cook a small fish gently. I remember coming uh, at work one night and the phone rang and Cindy was on the line and she asked for me. And she said, uh, you need to come home. Actually, she didn't say it as calmly as I'm telling you it. She pretty much was yelling into the ear, into my ear, you need to come home. And I said, why? And she said, Rebecca's just crashed the car into the garage. She was learning how to drive. And instead of going in reverse, went forward. On the way um, home from work, I was thinking, now, how am I going to behave in this situation? I've got about 15 minutes. Am I going to behave in the flesh? Or am I going to behave in the spirit? 
I've got a choice to make here. And as I pulled up and I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to visualize the worst case scenario. The whole house has collapsed. You know, <laughs> it, it just, it was going to help ease the pain. And I see all of them just sitting on the, on the cement, just on the bricks and just looking as the car is into the garage and into the brickwork. And I think my mouth did open and drop. Um, and I think I might have said, what were you thinking? But thanks by the grace of God, I probably really could have lost it there. And my memory serves me right, and they'll certainly tell me if I'm right on this. I think by the grace of God, he helped me to be gentle. Are you a gentle person? This is a wonderful quality about God. Hebrews chapter 12, if you turn there, Hebrews chapter 12, we see that even when, and often obviously God has to correct us. He does so in gentleness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. The writer says, And have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges away every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Take comfort this morning, brothers and sisters, that God disciplines those he loves. I remember Laura saying to us um, many, many, many years ago, she said, you spank me because you love me. And she's absolutely right. A lot of people today would think that's absolutely crazy. You don't show your love by spanking, by disciplining your children. Our culture has gone away from what the word of God says on that subject. But God disciplines those he loves. And if you felt his discipline, even though for the moment it seems sorrowful, God says in his word, rejoice. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Paul does, that if you have to restore a brother, you do it. But you do it with gentleness, don't you? The question has been said, who loves a child more? The parent who allows a child to do what will harm him? Or the one who corrects, trains, and punishes the child? To help him to learn to do right. It's been said, I mean, this little quote that uh, I have in my study. Remember when your child has a tantrum, don't have one of your own. I can remember years ago when my wife, Andrea is now cringing, but I, she knows that I was going to tell the story, so she's got fair warning. But I can remember years ago when she was in a store called Quinsworth and 
in Dublin, Ireland, and she wanted something. I can't remember what it was. And Cindy wasn't going to let her have it. And this one quality that Andrea has that I don't see her do any longer, but um, she would just get her foot and just start to, like, dig um, when she wanted her way. And she was in the middle of this aisle. You parents probably can relate to this. Maybe this has happened to you. And she wanted something, and Cindy said no, and she just got to digging and digging and probably almost wanted to dig a hole into the floor and just collapsed, screaming, in the middle of the supermarket. And the clerk almost and more petrified than probably Cindy felt, said, what's wrong with her? And Cindy said back, she's a sinner. She's a sinner. (laughs) I think those opportunities that uh, she and the daughters have had in being disciplined uh, are bearing good fruit now. And she didn't get her way. But Cindy handled it with gentleness in that situation when it could have been so easy all of a sudden to bring out that hand and start doing stuff that you'd have to apologize for later. God didn't intend for it to maybe be used in that way at that time, in that spot, in that location on the body. People do that sadly today, and sometimes people have obviously been victims of abuse, physical abuse by their parents, where they have no self-control and they're not behaving right. And they're certainly not doing whatever they're doing or trying to do with gentleness. When we falter in sin, God gently corrects us as a good parent should. Sometimes we know, doesn't he, that in order to get our attention, don't get me wrong, in order to get our attention, sometimes he's going to get that two by four and he's going to put it right over us because he loves us. He's not going to let it go. Lastly, as we have time, the thing I love about the Father, I love about, for that matter, the Word of God, is that God not only is a God who loves us unconditionally, He's gentle in in correcting us and bringing us back to Himself, but He's also an encouraging God. Someone has said, perhaps once in a hundred years a person may be ruined by excessive praise, but surely once every minute someone dies inside for lack of it. When you think of all the encouraging words that God has said, I wonder what comes to your mind. If you were to write out tonight the ten, ten encouraging verses that I, that I love, you could come up with hundreds, but what are they? Is it where Jesus said to the disciples at the end of the Matthew, where he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always. Or was it his words where he said, you know, in this world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Or is your verse, for example, where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Are there verses from that actually the Lord Jesus sent himself, or that God, who inspired the other writers to say, that encourage you? You know, I think that if this book was filled With discouraging words, it was filled from front to cover of no hope, no encouragement. I don't think we'd be drawn to want to read it. This book is true. Does this book say hard things? As God said hard things and told us situations that have happened that are hard and painful. Yes, there are. But it's also a book where God lets us know things 
that encourage us. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of these kind of people, and I trust you are too, that now and then needs to be encouraged. Need a hope. Need to be reminded in all the trials and tribulations of what's going on around us. God is a God who wants to encourage. And you think, you know, well, the, the card industry, for example, has, has gotten that. You, people spend millions of dollars, don't they? Billions maybe on cards. Now you can get them off the Internet or you can go to a store and you can get them. One here that I was reading the other day. People love to receive cards, don't they? Because they're encouraging. How can I repay you for all the good you've done? This isn't one I would send because it's got a couple of kittens on it. But anyway, the point is, <laughs> as I'm looking here, how can I repay you for all the good you've done? For every little blessing you've added one by one. You've been so special. I can never repay you for all the blessings you've brought into my life. But God can. God bless you. It's a card that very well some believer might send to another an encouragement. Imagine if the card said something like this. How much you owe me for all the bad you've done. For every grief you've added one by one. You've been so rotten. You can never repay me for all the heartache you've brought into my life. That wouldn't sell, would it? <laughs> Might be tempted to sell a card, to send a card like that now and then, but I haven't found any like that. We need to be declaring words of life like God does, rather than predictions of doom and gloom. Sad, isn't it, that in many ways bad news sells? People feed off it. Stories told about a positive and a negative farmer. When the rain fell on the land, the positive farmer would say, thank you, Lord, for watering our crops. The negative farmer said, yeah, but if this rain keeps up, it's, not, it's going to rot the roots away. And we're never going to have a harvest. The sun came up one day and the positive farmer said, thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. Our crops are getting the vitamins and the minerals they need. We're going to have a great harvest this year. The negative farmer said, yeah, but if it keeps up, it's going to scorch those plants. We're never going to make a living. One day, the two farmers were goose hunting together, and the positive farmer brought along the, his new bird dog. And he was so proud of that dog, he couldn't wait to show him off. They went out in a small boat and waited. And before long, a big goose flew overhead. Boom! The positive farmer brought the bird down in the middle of the lake. He turned to his friend and said, now watch what this dog can do. That dog jumped out of the boat and ran on top of the water, picked up the goose, ran back all the way on top of the water, and put the bird down perfectly in the boat. Positive farmer was beaming from ear to ear. He turned to his friend and said, what would you think of that? The negative farmer shook his head in disgust. Just what I thought, he said. That dog can't even swim. You know, it does remind me of people like that, doesn't it? Focused on the negative. They like the song where seldom is heard, or actually they don't like the song where seldom is heard a discouraging word. From that old classic folk song. Scripture tells us that we should cast down every wrong imagination and take into captivity every wrong thought so that we can be encouraging. What does that mean? Not to dwell on it. 
something happens in our lives and inevitably it does every day probably where God tells us, you can choose. You can choose now. Are you going to dwell on whatever happened? Or are you going to somehow take this to the Lord, leave it with him and let him take care of it? Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. And the awesome responsibility for us as parents, the challenge for us as brothers and sisters in a fellowship with one another, is is that we can significantly influence the direction of people's lives by the words we say, especially in the context of a parent. Are you a recipient? Was your mother and father someone who encouraged you along whatever your pursuits were? that were good pursuits, wrong, right pursuits, did they encourage you in those? Did they, your, did they bless you with their words? It's interesting, in the Old Testament, you're familiar with the story of in Genesis chapter 27 with Jacob and Esau. You know, in, in the Old Testament, people, you think of how it is today, people fight over money. They fight, they, they fight over uh, estates over inheritances. They fight over positions. What they liked and what they wanted was they wanted the blessing from their father. It was a significant thing, a huge thing to get the blessing from your dad. If you read to have a chance today, time doesn't allow us to read Genesis chapter 27 and you read that famous story of how Jacob deceived his dad. And Esau should have gotten the blessing. He didn't. And you get the sense, he says, you know, I, I, even getting the second blessing, getting that second blessing from his dad wasn't as good. But it meant so much to hear those words of what his dad promised. He was deceived by his mother. Bottom line of what Scripture is telling us, and you can see this principle from Proverbs, is we need to be very careful about what we allow to come out of our mouths. Because we can't take them back. The words we say can't be taken back. Once we speak them, they have a life of their own, don't they? You think of the words that God has spoken. And once he has spoken those, these take on a life. And they mean everything to us. And we cling to these words. We meditate on these words. We memorize them even. Because they're so special to us. All of these wonderful verses of Scripture, they're powerful. Scripture says it's like a two-edged sword. I don't know if our, I don't believe our words are as powerful as the words of God. But man, can they bless? Can our words bless? Or can our words curse? To the child of God this morning, in closing, God speaks to you and to me. Words of acceptance, words of approval, because when he sees us, he sees his son. We've been covered over by the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives us. And when he looks on us as his children today, he doesn't look at what we used to be, but he sees Jesus. He sees that bloodshed. God wants to encourage us to grow in likeness like him. I think of the verse of Scripture in the Old Testament that says, you know what? It's not by might nor by power, 
but by thy spirit, says the Lord of hosts. For you and I to grow more and more to be like the Father, it's a spiritual work that God wants to do in our lives. May that be our, our burning, burning desire. When it seems like sometimes there's some more studies that are coming out saying that the differentiation between those who claim to be Christians and those who are not, sometimes the world is saying there's not much difference. It shouldn't be like that. Spend time with the Father. Spend time with the Son, with the Spirit. And the Bible says God's work is going to do this work in your character and you become more like Him. And if you don't know today, if, if you're not sure, if you were to be honest and say, you know what, I'm not really sure if God is my Father. It's going to be hard for me to imitate Him because first you've got to be His Son. And if you're not sure if you're His child today, then seek out the answer to that question if you have that so that you can be sure Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the word of God. And we want to just thank you, Lord, that you are a father that we would long to imitate. Thank you that you're a perfect God in every way. And there's nothing about your character. There's only beautiful things that we would see and say about you and about the Godhead. God, I pray that you will put your finger in an area in our life if it's not one of the ones that... I have mentioned, Lord, if, but if your spirit puts an area in our life that says, where you're saying, God, I want, or child, I want you to be more like this. I want you to grow in my likeness in this area. Father, I pray we'll have ears to hear that today. And that we'll turn from sin and repent. And being an example to a watchful and a hurting world. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.